Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's great to be in the Lord's presence with you today. And uh, thanks for springing that on me, Felicia. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. <laughs> hey, today it's... Uh, Mother's Day, as we've mentioned like 37 times already, but uh, go ahead and mention it when you get home today too, to someone you love, uh, maybe it's even just mention a memory of someone like me with my mother, where you just, we choose to remember uh, the gift God gave us while we were on earth, and we're thankful for eternity, thankful for eternity. This is, this is not all there is. Uh, if this is all there is, then we really don't have hope. But if this isn't all there is, then it's momentary. This momentary affliction will pass. And so, um, anyway, I just declare to you that have experienced loss or walking through your first, you know. The firsts are hard. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it's the things that you don't expect are hard, but uh, eternity, that's what my prayer is. Uh, if, when I think of my mom in heaven, I go, thank you, Jesus, for eternity. Thank you for a greater reality than this. Thank you for the promise of the resurrection. Thank you that you conquered death, that death does not have the final word, uh, that there is just more than what we even see with our eyes. That the unseen is the reality, not the seen. And so we place our eyes on, fix our eyes on that which is unseen. Not what is seen. It's with this spirit of faith that we speak. This is Corinthians quoting it. Um, and so we fix our eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen. So today I want to uh, I want to talk about some women who had an impact on their world in the Bible. Women who changed parts of history, who were a part of history, um, and I'm going to highlight a, a couple of different ones, maybe that sh- uh, you haven't heard of. Certainly the first one. Um, so I want you to turn in your Bible if you can to Second Kings chapter 11. We're going to look at. Four sets of women, four women, one is a, it's a set, so it's actually five women um, from the Bible who had an impact. Let's see, Second Kings 11. I will give credit to the internet for this. Just want to... Sometimes the internet is good. You know, sometimes you're just looking for something, some fresh ideas. And so, Lord, I I mean, I was praying and spent time praying and studying. I said, you know, I'm just going to search on the internet, great women of the Bible. Just see if I'm not thinking of someone, if there's just something out there. Because I'm like going through the same ones and it it wasn't stirring in my heart. You know, it was like, hey, this is great. This is a nice nice scripture. This is a nice truth. Uh, But it just didn't seem like it had you know, that weight of, of the Spirit on it. And so, then this one was highlighted to me. I'm like, I've never heard of this lady. 
but this is hugely important, and you're going to probably read the scripture and go, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why this is important. So, 2 Kings 11, and uh, you know, this is in the middle of all the, the kings of, of Israel and Judah, and all kinds of bad things are happening, and people are just not following God. So it says this, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder what people think when I preach from these scriptures too. So I'm even wondering it right now. Okay. But we're going to get to it. But... There's a but there. Isn't it great that, that God puts a, like a, a transition there that says, But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram and sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom to hide them from Athaliah so he was not killed. And he remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. And I want to, this, this woman who shows up only here in the scripture does something hugely important that is not very obvious from this initial scripture. Uh, yet saving a life is hugely important. Let me not diminish that. Absolutely. Uh, so saving this, this young child's life uh, this baby's life from a evil queen who was, uh, you know, basically using her power to forcefully take power. That's what all the kings and queens and them did in the time. This is how it worked. Somebody new would come to power and they would kill off all the other families. It's just horrific that this is in the history of humanity, but it's there. And this is how humans were acting. And unfortunately, this, these were humans that had even had a revelation of God that were supposed to be the people of God. And they were still acting this way. Uh, they weren't acting in ignorance. They had some knowledge of the truth. And so this, this evil woman, this woman who has a, you know, really a, probably some kind of demonic influence in her life, comes into power and her son dies and she says, I'm not letting this go, basically. And she wants to take control of the kingdom. And so she begins to kill off all the heirs to the throne. And so this woman who's, this is an act of bravery and courage right here by Jehoshaphat. So you have a new name to name your children if you're still having children. Um, if you need a biblical name of one who is, uh, really did something amazing for God. Here's one that you've never heard of before. Um, Jehoshaphat, she was royalty. She was related to the family, but she had the insight and the discernment and the courage to say, I'm going I'm to rescue this one baby. Maybe she couldn't rescue them all, but she says, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm, I'm going to, in this moment of darkness, I'm going to do something for light. And so she rescues Joash, and Joash is saved, and later... He, of course, becomes king because he is an heir to the throne. But I want, to, and that's important in itself, but here's the part that's even more important. That Jesus is a descendant of Joash. The line of David, the Davidic kings, his line leads to Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the earth. And so if, if Joash is not saved, then that line is cut off. 
And so there is something more happening here than just uh, one life being saved. There were many lives being saved, ultimately through the life of Jesus. Because, you know, history is all tied together. It's, it's stacked on each other. The, God is at work throughout all of history. He is working all of history before Jesus. He's working to bring Jesus. And all of history after Jesus, He is working to bring everybody to Jesus because of what Jesus has accomplished by His death and resurrection. And now He's reigning in heaven. And so everything is centered upon Jesus. And so this woman has the, has the insight, has the discernment, has, feels the nudge of someone, maybe the Holy Spirit Himself, was moving her to take this step of bravery and courage and say, I'm going to rescue this child. And ultimately her rescue, He lines up with the coming of the Messiah who would save the whole world. Now could... Can God, could God have done it another way? Absolutely. I totally understand that. Uh, God is not, he's not like totally locked into like, oh my gosh, the one human messed up and now the, my plan is ruined. Uh, we're not that powerful. Uh, my wife's just t- talking about a personal story in her life where God told her that same thing, where she's like, I messed up God's plan because of the choice I made. And God said, look, you're not that powerful. Don't, don't, diminish, don't diminish me in this. But it is important for us when we act in a moment and we are responding to the Holy Spirit, we have a woman who is responding to the Holy Spirit and it courageously acts for God. This is what true femininity looks like. Right now we've got a lot of confusion on gender going on right now, right? We don't need to go into that. I'm not trying to open the can of worms here. <laughs> not this Sunday. Uh, maybe a different Sunday we might open that can. But there's, there's a lot of confusion. But we can look in the Scriptures and say, what does it look like to be a woman who is courageous and passionate and strong? Here's one right here. Where she's moved by God, there's a movement in her heart, and she acts courageously to do something that spares life, that brings life, that changes history, that does something. She probably didn't realize what she did. And sometimes that's the thing we, we don't realize. We don't realize the, the step of courage that we make in our lives to do what's right, to do to, to obey God, whatever He's stirring in our hearts, we don't know the implications down the road sometimes. We don't realize my obedience today might affect a future generation. Because again, it's not, God's not just working you know, our lives. I saw a quote the other day that was said, said I'm, I'm so glad that, that God's sovereign, that God's sole purpose in life is not to reveal His plan for my life. It's not that small. It's not, God's not like, okay, I just need to figure it out for you so you can live it out. It's like, yeah, He wants us to partner with Him, but He's, he's not limited. He's inviting us into eternity and, and His work throughout history and says, hey, look, here's the step I want you to do. Here's what, here's what you need to do. And it might be risky. It might be risky. It's risky to obey God, but this woman... Jehoshaphat risked it all and ultimately saved the line 
from whom the Messiah came. So I thought that was just one that I'd never heard of before. I share it to you straight from the internet. Okay, so let's turn to the second one. Luke chapter 8. Another great woman here. Luke chapter 8. Go ahead, yeah, use your Bibles today. I know some of you are just using the phone and you put it in quick. That's fine too. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 says this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Shusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others... And these women were helping to support them out of their own means. And I want to focus in on Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. We, we, know, we only know a few things about her, but we can pick up a couple things from her right here. Number one, she was a disciple of Jesus. She was traveling with Jesus. I love how The Chosen brings this out. The Chosen video TV series about the life of Jesus and I understand, and they, they proclaim, they're adding in parts of the story that they, they're like, we don't know if this is true or not. We're just adding, adding parts in that we don't know about. And so we, they, they deal truthfully with the parts, I believe, that they're pulling from the Scriptures, and then they add in. But one of the things they get right is this. Jesus traveling around doesn't have just 12 dudes with Him. I mean, that's the... That's kind of the normal picture, probably even some of the Jesus movies, right? There's all guys! Nope! That wasn't how it was. It says that with the twelve were these key women that were walking with Jesus, that Jesus personally delivered them from demons and diseases and evil spirits. And one of them was named Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons came out. So in other words, she, she wasn't very nice before Jesus. She had a lot of issues before she met Jesus. She was a broken person before she met Jesus, yet Jesus invited her to walk with Him. And did you notice that it said, who was supporting the ministry of Jesus financially? The women. Very interesting fact that, the, that some of these were very influential women who were converted to faith and began to follow Jesus. And Jesus, because he, was not, he wasn't coming to be like everybody else and be the typical rabbi, he says, yeah, we're letting women in too, because that was a no-no. The women weren't allowed to learn to read. They weren't allowed to read the, the Torah. They didn't have to learn the Torah. Didn't really care if they did. They could go to the synagogue and learn like, you know, like the children and the, you know, women were kind of separate a little bit until the, the boys were old enough. And so there was this, there was this separation. And Jesus comes and destroys one of the separations that is uh, marginalizing and minimizing half of his creation. You want to talk about the real feminist movement? This is it right here. This is the real movement to true femininity 
is through Jesus raising women up to the level they should be. Not to become a man. Not to say, I'm going to be better than the man and do this thing better than the man. And Jesus is saying, no, to be exactly who you were created to be. That we were created in the image of God. Male and female is the image of God. God's not a dude. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I had a joke with some guys before, my cousin and this other younger guy, and we made a joke one day. So I still remember it, too, because we were like, yeah, because God's a dude. And we laughed, and we loved it up because, you know, we're dudes. <laughs> and then, but I later on realized, that's a stupid statement. Now, Jesus is a man forever because he became a human being. But in God himself is the image of male and female, that we were created in the image of God. God is spirit. He's not a human. He's totally other. He's, he's beyond even our comprehension. He reveals himself to us as best he can. But there's parts of him that we're never going to understand in out, throughout all eternity. We're going to grow to understand the nature and the character of this God that we love and serve. And so Jesus lifts these women up to a, to a, a higher place. He, he lifts them for where society says no. He says, we're going we're to lift you up to a higher place. You come follow me. And so Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus. Even though she came from a place of shame and brokenness and uh, we don't know what caused her to be in the demonic strongholds that were in her life. Why did she have seven demons? We don't know what horrific things were done to her or that she did, but we know they were bad enough where there was this activity of, of darkness in her life. But once she was free, she was all in. So my encouragement to you, to any woman who says, you know, I, I just have this past, and Jesus says, hey, come on up. Come on out of your past. Come on out of your brokenness. Come, out, come on out of your shame. That's, that's, not, that's not who you were created to be. This is not your present or your future in me. Come on up to a higher level and walk with me. And you know, Mary Magdalene and a few of the other women, they're, you know, they show up at some important places. When Jesus was arrested and he was brought to trial and then he is ultimately sentenced to death, capital punishment of the day of crucifixion on a cross, it says that all the disciples ran away and scattered. So all the dudes left. I know I'm ripping the dudes this morning, okay? Sometimes we need a little <laughs> chiseling away of pride that's not good. <laughs> Only one of the disciples was at the cross, but there were three women with him. It says that all kinds of Marys and John were there. <laughs> all kinds of Marys. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and John were the, were the peop, only ones that stood there at the cross that were willing to be there with Jesus in his moment of death. So it tells us something about Mary Magdalene that she was delivered from fear. 
Peter still hadn't been delivered from fear. We know that. Because a little girl came up to him and said, You know Jesus, right? No way. <laughs> he was scared of a little girl. Now, at least Peter was close enough to hear Jesus and see Jesus. The other ten guys, we don't even know where they were. But Mary Magdalene was at the foot of the cross when Jesus breathed his last breath. And further on, when Jesus comes back to life, who's the first person she meet, he meets? Well, just so you know, it's really in the Bible. John chapter 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. This is Mary Magdalene. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, well, he is kind of, but not that kind. <laughs> She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me, where have you put him, and I will get him. Isn't that interesting how she says that? I mean, she says, look, you tell me where his body is, I'm going to go get his body. I mean, why was Mary there anyway? She went to anoint his body one more time. You know, I'm going to anoint his body with spices. How, if you even think about it, she, she was so passionate about Jesus, she's not even thinking about rolling the stone away. <laughs> Probably just like, we're just going to go do it. Let's, let's just go do it. You know, sometimes God stirs you to do something, and it's better if you don't think about it. Because if you think of, oh, well, there's a stone there. We're never going to get in. You don't, you, don't, you don't end up in the place you're supposed to be because you, you overthink it. But here... And I'm not saying she wasn't thinking. I'm just saying maybe that God helped her not think of these things. She was just moved with affection and passion for Jesus. And so she shows up. And she shows up and the stones rolled away. And she's even willing to go get his body. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll drag his body back. I mean, that's devotion. This is, this is a woman who is so devoted to Jesus. because Maybe because she realized what she'd been freed from. When you realize what you've been freed from, your, your devotion, it's like that woman that cries at Jesus' feet and the, all the religious people are upset, like, hey, can you, you're, you're ruining our dinner. And Jesus says, no, look, don't you understand? She's been forgiven much, so she's going to love much. So if you've been forgiven much, you're in good company. You get a whole bottle of love on Jesus. So Jesus then says her name. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him instantly at the mention of her name and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am, ascend I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It's amazing that Mary Magdalene is the first witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
amazing. I mean, it's just, it's just God flipping the, flipping the tables a little bit to say, look, I'm going I'm to show up to a woman first. And in some ways, it's even the, the reversal of the fall of man, where the woman is deceived, and God says, I'm going to show up and say, look, this is not who you are. Mary was not deceived. She was in tune with the Spirit of God in that moment because she was in the right place at the right time, there to meet Jesus as He walked out of the tomb. And there's actually great evidence that Mary was actually key in the early church as well. That not only was she a follower of Jesus, that she was among, you know, she was in the upper room. She was among the 500 that Jesus appeared to as the personal witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus and was a part of that first church that began to spread uh, all over of known creation at that time. And so it's amazing what one woman can do. So let's go two more. Acts 16. Acts 16, verse 11. Now this is the journey of the Apostle Paul, and he's coming to the city of Philippi. From Troas, verse 11, from Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis, from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. Let me stop right there. Normally, Paul would go into the synagogue, but it tells us that there was not a synagogue in Philippi. And what that meant was there was not 10 Jewish men living in the city. Okay, so because you had to have 10 Jewish men, didn't matter how many women you had. Again, we're talking about Jesus breaking all kinds of culture barriers here. But you had to have 10 men. So that means there were not 10 Jewish followers of God in the city of Philippi. So they went out to outside the city to just see, hey, is there anybody doing the Sabbath today? That's basically what they were doing. Is, is someone participating in the Sabbath prayers? So where we expected to find a place of prayer, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. So in other words, she was a God-fearing Gentile because there were people in those days who basically would become, you know, entrust themselves to become Jews, even though they were Gentiles, follow God and start following the, the prescribed uh, laws and all those things. And so one of those listening was Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And I mentioned this several weeks ago, I believe. Uh, but 
this is the first entrance of the gospel into Europe. The first believer in the continent of Europe is a woman. Lydia was her name. Now it says she was a dealer in purple cloth. What does that mean? Uh, that was made in the area of Thyatira. It was made from the juice of matter root. And in fact, that was how purple was made until the 19th century. And they started inventing chemicals. But what it was, it was a very precious thing. It was very rare. It was very specific. And so it's likely that she was not only a very wealthy woman, but also a very influential woman in the city. And so God opens her heart to the gospel of Jesus. And she's the first one in all of Europe that comes to faith in Jesus. God says, I'm going to go into the heart of Europe and I'm going to start in the heart of a woman. Later on at the end of the book, or excuse me, the end of this chapter of the account of them in Philippi, of course, Paul and Silas are arrested. This is the time where they get jailed and they sing in the prison. The prison doors are torn down. The amazing story of that. At the very end, it says, after they're taken out of prison, they all go to Lydia's house again because that's where they're worshiping. That's where the first church in Europe was established in this woman's home. And so she used her influence and her wealth that God empowered her to be an influence in the first city that's taken for God in Europe. Just amazing. Just amazing to see what Jesus does. What Jesus can do with someone who is willing to open their heart. Are you willing to open your heart to Jesus? Are you willing to let Him uh, be in charge of everything? That she's like, look, now my household. We know she was influential because it says she had a household. Women of that day, in the Roman Empire, she would have had, to, most likely her husband died. We don't see that in the scripture, but most likely, uh, she, she, since she is the head of her household, she would have to have had three sons. And if she had three sons as a free woman, then she was recognized by the Roman Empire so she could have a business, so she could make money, so she wasn't just left to be a poor widow, or you know, as some were in those times. And so she was a person of influence, a person who probably had some wealth. She, probably had, she was probably known in the community because not everybody had the connection with this special route to make the purple cloth. And so... Jesus is using her influence to influence this city and uses her as the first convert to Christianity in the continent of Europe. Amazing. I know it's just amazing when you, when you see how, how God works that he, was, that he never valued women as less than men. That was, that was humans that did that. That, that was humans that created the disparity. That's, that's the fall, the brokenness. You know, after, you know, after Adam and Eve fell, uh, they were in a perfect relationship before. And after they, they fall, like suddenly they're blaming each other and they're trying to take over each other's roles and they're pointing the finger and there's shame and there's mistrust and there's miscommunication and there's unforgiveness and there's all the, all the stuff that's released. And so, uh, you know, then there's domination and uh, women begin to use ma manipulation, their way of dominating. And so there's all just this brokenness that's going on. But Jesus comes to just say, look, we're going we're gonna to change that all. 
We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna raise up women to where they're meant to be. The, they're going to be feminine. They're going to be strong. They're going to be godly. They're going to be beautiful because of their hearts. And they're going to use their influence for the kingdom. They're going to be the, the heart of the church in some ways. But men are not going to be, you know, they're going to be diminished maybe from their own view of superiority and strength and domination. But they're going to be humbled as servants of God and come under the rulership where together men and women can be joined in the proper place under the authority of Jesus and rule and reign and release wholeness as we were created to be. So some of you ladies might be a Lydia. Some of you young, young ladies, you may not know what your influence will be in this world, but just know that all he needs is your heart. All he needs is your heart. And he will fill you with what you need to influence your world. Maybe it's not a city. Maybe it is. But let's not limit God in what he can do through one woman. And don't say, I'll just wait till I have to get married first. Anyway, that's something God's bringing up to me about the power of singleness that I'm not going to share right now. <clears throat> but know that you don't need to just say that it's... I'm not telling you to get married or not get married. I'm just saying, live your life unto Jesus... Until he leads you to that place. Don't just wait around for life to happen and it's not going to happen until you get married. We can, guys, young guys, that goes for you too. Um, last one. Let's turn to the last one. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5. It says this. I'll let you turn there. 2 Timothy 1.5. I hear the Bible's flipping. Near the end. Somewhere. So this is Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. And so we don't know the status and issue or the the state of Timothy's family other than this that he had a grandmother who had faith in Jesus, and he had a mother who had faith in Jesus. I don't know why the men are not there. Most likely they died early as happened many times in the, in the culture of that day. Just, we didn't live as long. And so, there was a genuine faith in his grandmother Lois. That probably means if this is only, you know, 30 or so years, maybe 40 years after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and so most likely his grandmother Lois would have been an early convert to Christianity. But what we do know in this family is this that there was a generational faith legacy that was passed on. There was, a, there was a generational impact on their family line 
because of this godly grandmother Lois and this godly mother Eunice that impacted Timothy, who became a huge influence in the early church in that region that, that he was, traveled with Paul, did all kinds of stuff for Jesus. But he had a grandmother and a mother who passed on their faith to him. And they, their, their faith was so genuine that Paul says, look, I recognize you've got the same thing on your life that they had on theirs. I recognize that same thing in your life. And so my encouragement to you is whether you're a grandmother or a mother, that you have a generational legacy of faith to pass on to your children and your grandchildren. And if you live that long, your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. You don't have three, do you? Just two. Two greats? You got one threes? Or your great-great-great-grandchildren. However however long God gives you. (laughs) But... There is a legacy of faith that can be passed on and it's going to multiply the influence of what God does in one family. That's how God designed it. Was to use the family to ultimately multiply into many more families to where there are then many, many, many more families that are following Jesus. You know, we've always heard that phrase, you know, you had a a praying grandmother, right? Have you ever heard that? Um, And I love that. First of all, I just want to say I love that. But I also want to say, you don't have to wait till you're a grandmother to be a praying mother or a praying single woman. Be a person of influence in the kingdom. Like, don't wait till you're old to say, yeah, when I'm old, I'm going to get it, get it all right. And then I'm going to start following Jesus and... You know, when I've had my fun time when I'm young, just you don't have to do that. I mean, just take it from those of us who walked a little bit in life. It's not worth it. Anything that's not Jesus has never been worth my time. I don't look back on those things and go, well, I, none of, I have no regrets to say I'm leaving that all behind. And I grew up a nice Christian young boy <laughs> who's who my mother prayed with me to lead me to Jesus when I was four and a half years old. But I still did a bunch of stupid things. Anyway, we're not going to get into that today. (laughs) Sometimes I still do some stupid things. Don't say say anything. (laughs) So the legacy of faith is just just a powerful thing. To me, it's really, it's so powerful. So don't, you know, and this goes for us guys too. This is not just for the ladies. Uh, Let's get some praying grandfathers going too. Let's let's change that where, where it's not just the praying grandmother too. It's like, hey, there's a praying father. There's a praying grandmother. There's a praying older brother. It says, I'm, I'm going ta- to take charge of my faith and I'm going to influence my family. I'm going I'm to be that one. I'm going to be that praying person right now. I'm going to be that person of faith right now. I'm not going like, to wait. Don't wait until you get your life together. Do it now. Do it now. Because your, your faith is impacting the next generation. 
I mean, that's how God created us to be, where we would, we would multiply within our families and then we would bring others into the family of God who are outside. We want to bring them in. And may it be true that many of us, whether it's the grandmother or the grandfather, the father or the mother or the older brother or the uncle or the aunt, whatever influence we have in our family, that we will wield it and use it and seek God for it and say, Lord, let there be a generation of faith and an increase in my generations beyond me, God, by the grace of God. It's not in my own strength, but God, I'm going to work and allow myself to partner with you in what you're doing in my life so that my impact is multiplied to the generations. So five great women right there that influenced history. And Jesus just makes the same invitation to all of us today. How are you going to use your life to influence history? And it starts with an open heart. Every single one of these women that we looked at, they had an open heart to respond to the Spirit of God, to respond to the moving of God Himself and what He was doing in that situation. And they were not afraid to act. So let's stand. I just want to pray over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just declare right now for legacy, Lord, to be released to families this very, this very day. God, I just pray for strategy and wisdom. Lord, I pray for encouragement, Lord, where we've been discouraged, where we haven't seen what we want to see, God. We just say we're going to continue to trust you. We're going to continue to obey you. We're going to continue to read and declare the word of God over our kids and our grandkids and our nephews and our nieces. We're going to continue to trust you. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to live a godly life as an example, Lord, that someone can know without me even talking what it means to follow Jesus. And so we thank you, God. We thank you for removing past hindrances of shame from our past that would try to hinder us from walking forward with you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that in those moments you stir things in our hearts. We're not going to overthink it, God. We're not going to go through all the scenarios in our head. We're not going to weigh it out. I'm not talking about being foolish and not using wisdom. I'm talking about not allowing the, the limitations of the seen world to, to control our decisions and the way we live our lives. That we fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on the truth of the word of God. And we're going to live a life that honors you. That's worthy of the gospel of Jesus. That's worthy of the sacrifice he gave. By the grace of God. And by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God we just declare Lord freedom in every Every mind this morning, God, we just declare freedom. And we, we bless, Lord, we bless mothers. We bless grandmothers. We bless women who are single this morning, God. And we say, let them fulfill their potential, God, and their full calling, Lord, that we partner with you. We come alongside Jesus. That If there's ones that need to be lifted up today from discouragement, Lord, or doubt or, or brokenness, we just thank you for that lifting. Lord, we thank you for that one more step of freedom in their lives, God. And help us not grow weary in doing good. In Jesus' name, God, we just thank you, Lord, that we can be 
the church, the people of God, that can display what relationships are meant to look like, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a family. God, we thank you for that. And we empower us, Lord, we ask for empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Come upon us, Holy Spirit, and fill us, Lord, with fresh vision, Lord, with fresh wisdom. Lord, teach us to pray, increase our faith, Let us trust you. Give us humility, God. Tear down pride that would hinder us. Lord, where we would walk on our own strength, God. Remove any any religious spirit that would try to control us and bring us into bondage, God. We walk in freedom with you in Jesus' name. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for these, these... Lord, these encounters with these women, these, these glimpses that we get in the Scriptures, God, we just pray, Lord, that we would live a life where somebody else can get a glimpse of you from our life. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, everybody said amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. We're going we're gonna to have our leaders here up to pray, as we always do. If you've never given your heart to Jesus... If you need healing in your body, if you just need prayer for another issue, please don't leave without receiving prayer today. We will pray as long as we need to pray. And then have a blessed rest of your Mother's Day.